Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. This is Kate reporting from the beyond, uh, meaning I already recorded this episode. I'm about to upload it. It is Thursday evening. So what I decided to do for this deep dive, it was highly requested. It kind of took me a long time to put together. I know it's probably not as interesting now that Taylor Swift's casually dropping a surprise album, but I don't even have time to get into that. Very exciting. Um, I was just going to tell you that I did, decided to do like a side A and side B. And I can't remember if I said this or not, because I don't have time to listen back to this episode. The first part I'm talking about the movement, the more gossipy, editorialized, viral meme type free Britney movement stuff I've seen. And then I kind of go back through her history and figure out how we got to this point. So this is the deep dive of like the meat of the movement and of of the era of the incessant, aggressive, uh, unfair involvement of the media in her life, like 2003 to 2007, among many other things. I play interview clips like it's there's a lot in here. The second episode, the B side, I, I wanted to do right not only by Britney fans who really care about this, but also I wanted to be fair and do right by Britney. And this podcast to me has never been about like providing a hard and fast perspective when I don't can't possibly know what's right. I want people to consider both sides. So in part B, I played devil's advocate and talked to a probate attorney and recorded our conversation. And I asked her all of the questions that I do not understand about Britney's case that I think make it look suspicious. I also talked to another attorney just to even give me context before I recorded the first one. And she was a probate attorney out of L.A. who works with high net worth individuals and conservatorships. And uh, long story short, I've spent like about three hours on the phone with attorneys that specialize in this to make sure that I have an understanding of what's going on because I didn't want to misrepresent it because I take this seriously. And there's a mental health element here that I want to be sensitive to. Anyways, I probably say this in the episode again. Don't remember. But I just wanted to give you a heads up. That's kind of the structure here. The second episode will go up soon. Just have to audio process it. And um, yeah, if you want to hear this version, great. If you just want to hear the attorney, great. I'm happy if you're here regardless. I know it's kind of long. This is a long form podcast. So I appreciate your listening. Not great timing. with it. <laughs> Now that people are probably shifted their focus to Taylor Swift. But alas, I will too. Catch you on Patreon this weekend, where I'm sure I'll be talking about that. And now for the Be There in Five podcasts. Brittany Deep Dive, named after the name people think I have because of my Instagram handle, Beth Aaron Five. It's Brittany Beth. everyone welcome back to the be there in five podcast i'm kate kennedy your host i'm a chicago-based entrepreneur author pop culture commentator podcast host i've been doing this for about two and a half years and something i love to do not because i'm a journalist or consummate professional but because i'm such a super fan of so many aspects of pop culture i love to deep dive into popular topics going on in the media when i say dive I will research a topic ad nauseum and literally not come up for for air for days. And in this case, the better part of this past week, I have spent buried in this free Britney movement that is so much deeper and darker and more complex than I ever knew. You guys have asked me to do this deep dive for the better part of the past year. And I, I think I said I never would. 
for me, it was more so a function of a superficial watching of her Instagram and feeling like something was off and not wanting to speak about it insensitively from a mental health standpoint. But then there's part of me, I know a lot of people kind of do comedy about her Instagram. There's part of me too that it's like, well, that, that, that brings her joy. If that's her disposition, you know, who am I to say it's offensive to talk about it? Because maybe that's exactly what she wants to be doing. And I'm pushing my, you know, makeup wipe, high-waisted short standards on her. I don't know. But I felt like something was off. I didn't really understand the movement. And I maybe unfairly wrote it off as a conspiracy theory entirely. I would now argue I find this to be a combination of some concerning truths, a lot of lack of understanding of legalese and beyond that inherent loopholes and nuance of the law. And then there are full on what I would argue presidential physical fitness exam, blue box, sit and reach like stretches that I think are a bit problematic given the subject matter. But the, the, the past week, I mean, you know me better than I know myself. I'm obsessed. This is fascinating. And I wanted to do a deep dive, not to pile on to the gossip or to stoke the flames of what I think is already a media firestorm, but to do what I've try I try to always focus my deep dives on, which is looking more closely, seeing both sides, and more importantly than seeing both sides, seeing the inevitable gray that exists with anything that people want so badly to be black and white or I apologize. I like to call this the grayish because I am a bar cart toting millennial. Now more than ever, conspiracy theories are gaining popularity. I'd argue because over quarantine, people had so much time on their hands that millions of people finally found Reddit. The rest of us have been basking in the glow of a deep, deep blue light iPhone scroll late at night for years now. But I think perhaps there's more of a mainstream presence now on forums that over time you realize to take with a grain of salt. But when you first get on it, you ditch Facebook, you ditch Instagram, you ditch TikTok, you ditch it all. You found a whole new world, shining, shimmering, splendid. But over time, you see more and more stuff. People predict things. It doesn't happen. You realize maybe I shouldn't be getting all my health health advice from some Reddit user named down to clown 6969. You kind of start to entertain thoughts without accepting them. But now I feel like these conspiracy theorists from QAnon to Britney are people are going on these forums, synthesizing large amounts of data and information that is already either highly synthesized, editorialized and sometimes straight up made up and presenting it on more mainstream platforms like Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and getting people roped in to these incredibly com- compelling, convincing stories that have an undertone of trust nothing be suspicious of everything especially the 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 deep dark seedy underbelly of of hollywood right and i think that the free britney movement which is based on a 12-year conservatorship she has been in which is a fancy word for a legal guardian in california that essentially strips a person of their constitutional rights if they are deemed to not have the capacity to manage what they call your person or your estate, rather your financial affairs. Person being your medical decisions, your living arrangements, you know, your interactions with people, 
your, you know, even your ability to to vote, to leave your house, all of these very basic elements of being like a human. And then on the business side, your financial affairs, your business deals, your negotiations, your ability to make money, all of that. Britney Spears is in a legal conservatorship that controls both her person and her finances that was initially filed by her father, Jamie Spears, and a lawyer named Andrew Wallet, who have both since Andrew's, well, Andrew stepped down. Jamie assigned it to a woman named Jody Montgomery. We'll get to that later. But up until last year, following a restraining order filed by her ex-husband, Kevin Federline, onto Jamie Spears due to an altercation with one of Britney's sons, which then knocked her down to 30% custody, by the way, when she had 50-50. Prior to that, her father, for the better part of the past 12 years, has controlled her person and her estate, meaning allegedly things like her ability to vote, to leave her house. Uh, she's not allowed to drive. She cannot you know, do her own business negotiations, make large purchases. She allegedly can't access the internet by herself, run her social media. I, I mean, truly, the um, the alleged amount of restriction that this conservatorship comes with appears to be very unusual for a 38-year-old woman that, you know, at, on the surface appears to be what most people would argue is fully capable and of full mental capacity. Why? Because the past 12 years, what have we seen Britney do? She's had, what, four albums? You know, she's toured around the world, done a multi-year Vegas residency. She's had a lingerie and perfume empire. She's delighted us with this, this sweet, chaotic, robotic, stylistically questionable, almost infantile Instagram content that truly brightens my days. Because sometimes she does seem happy, but sometimes there's this darkness of a child, a child star vacantly doing something in a childlike manner as a grown adult that doesn't that it doesn't seem right. And I'm not going to diagnose or speak about her uh, mental state clinically because I do not know. But I think most people would agree I mean, hence all a lot of the comedy surrounding even her Instagram before things maybe we realized things maybe actually weren't going well for her. Um, her Instagram is so joyful and simple and sweet. And even though there's inexplicable spaces between the ending word of a sentence and its punctuation, it what she is presenting is somebody who is finally kind of taking a break. She's worked her butt off her entire career since she was 15 years old, following a brief hiatus after the Mickey Mouse Club. Britney Spears' career is so impressive. She's worked so much, and she's largely appeared to thrive in the past 12 years under this conservatorship, which begs the question, how can a hugely restrictive legal conservatorship where her conservators restrain her, the conservatee, from essentially exercising the majority of her constitutional rights. Because those types of conservatorships are granted to people that are deemed without the mental capacity to, one, make their financial decisions, two, her ability to manage her person, as they call it, 
three, her ability to resist undue influence. And lastly, and perhaps most shockingly, her ability to retain and direct counsel in her own legal proceedings and her own capacity to participate in the conservatorship proceedings. How can a woman who is able to do all of those things qualify as mentally incapacitated to the degree where her rights are stripped away? Logically, it doesn't add up. However, you know me, and my instinct is not to go to the worst case scenario. My instinct is to do a tough mutter through the bullshit that a person has to endure in order to get to a place where they've like finished the 5K or 10K. And like any 5K or 10K, I'd imagine you'd finish it and be like, well, that wasn't worth it. Because like, why were there so many 5Ks in the, the 2010s? <laughs> I'd like ask somebody to hang out as like a new gal pal and they'd be like, yeah, there's this hot, cho- <laughs> hot chocolate fun run in the dead of winter in Chicago where we can work up such a needless calorie deficit that we as women can finally earn our keep in the form of a tiny thing of hot chocolate at the end of the arduous exercise. And I was like, are you, you've lost your goddamn mind? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, anyway, I, when I was examining this movement, I found there was two primary angles you could look at this from and plenty of places in the middle. But the two main ones being if a woman who can do all these things is being made out to seem mentally incapable for the sake of management of her finances and of her life, there's a clear opportunity for exploitation here because what we see on the surface that doesn't seem believable. Or is she able to thrive in a career sense the past 12 years? Because she's in this conservatorship. And prior to 2008, when it was put in place, the, those mo- more recent three to four years of Britney from 2003 to 2007 were on the brink of disaster. Uh, they, were con- they were very concerning times for Britney and those around her. And we saw a major shift in her behavior. Kind of it, at the beginning, it was kind of like went from bubblegum to, to like big league chew, you know, like she started to have like a little bit more of an edge to chomp a little more. And I use gum because she does chew a lot of gum in interviews. And then we just got to the point where she had so much going on, so much happened to her that truly anybody that wasn't in the media would absolutely lose it. But not only was Brittany in the media, a multi, multi-millionaire and having to live out her transformative years where she not never got to have a wild or fun or experimental adolescence living it on a world stage and not just a world stage the most insensitive problematically aggressively invasive paparazzi era i think we've ever seen to the point where up until her last 5150 second this is the second time this has happened her 5150 hold january 31st of 2008 when in that 72 period a 72 hour period where a person can be held against their will uh, if there is a good enough reason that they are a harm to themselves and everyone around them and they are taken to a hospital during that 72 hour period this conservatorship is filed and somehow goes through and her life is never the same but during that 5150 if you want evidence of how bad this was in terms of the paparazzi they are following her on foot in an ambulance, on a gurney. I think she's, yeah, apparently she was naked and taking pictures of her through the glass of the ambulance while she is being treated. 
it, it's, it's honestly, it's so dark and it's so sad to watch. And when I went back and revisited it and kind of revisited her career, A, I really enjoyed it because I realized how much I kind of missed her and how much I adored her. I, I think back and I'm like, man, it's 1998. I'm probably wearing an Old Navy performance fleece. And it's a good thing I'm wearing a performance fleece because at the time I had an affinity for work pants. When I say work pants, I mean carpenter's pants, the carpenter jeans or, or painter's pants that, you know, in addition to cargo pants, which understandably a 11 year old girl should have, you know, military grade trousers, carpenter pants had a loop for your hammer. Painter's pants had a small pocket for your paintbrush. Inexplicably, given I was 11 and I didn't really have taste yet. I was also probably sporting Airwalks because they were then available at Payless Shoes, bringing down the price point. In addition to my very temporary affinity for Brink, because the year prior, the Disney Channel stopped charging for its premium subscription service. So I got to consume all the best content, along with all the rich kids who had that FU $11 a month Disney Channel, Channel 22. I used to just march into my friend's houses and pop it right on because if I, I was not going to miss an episode of The Torkelsons. But 98 brought us the first DCOM Sprink in Halloween Town. I'd argue they caught their stride in 99 with um, uh, Xenon and uh, the 13th year, which was confusing for me then and was confusing for me watching The Shape of Water because I was attracted to a man with scales. Um, it, it was a great time to be alive. In 1998, and it's my parents being pretty strict about TV and me being very strategic about when I could sneak in my culture, my cultural fix, whether it was the real world or two guys, a girl in a pizza place. I had grown tired of the pop rock, soft grunge movement that I now love. But at the time, all we had, I was, I was an 11 year old girl wearing needlessly functional pants, listening to Eagle Eye Cherry Save Tonight. I like the soda I was only allowed to drink on weekends, needed pop. I craved pop. And one young woman from Kentwood, Louisiana, with wispy bangs and a doll face and a voice that sounds mm, kind of like if an angel had a head cold. Britney Spears entered the scene in, what, October, November of 1998? A young 16-year-old, I think, Britney Spears, entered the scene. She didn't enter it so much as she dominated, not to, you know, RIP her domination tour, but she sang a song called uh, Ellipses, Baby One More Time. And this song, I mean, changed everybody's life. It was, the, it, it's a pop song that it, it will, it will never get old. It is a, an incredible song with an iconic video. And a young 16 year old former Mouseketeer simply told us her loneliness was killing her to give her a sign. And here we are in 2020, trying to free Britney one more time, thinking she's giving us signs, thinking her loneliness is killing her. And perhaps what I find the most ironic is this, this, this icon who we love so much. When this free Britney movement entered my ethos, if you will, when I became aware that this was more than just a silly Instagram was April 24th, 2019, when this first kind of picked up. And she wrote a post on Instagram saying, I want to say hi, because things that are being said have just gotten out of control. Wow. There's rumors, death threats to my family and my team, and just so many crazy things being said. I am trying to take a moment for myself, but everything that's happening is just making it harder for me. 
Don't believe everything you read and hear. These fake emails everywhere were crafted by Sam Lutfi years ago. I did not write them. He was pretending to be me and communicating with my team with a fake email address. My situation is unique, but I promise I'm doing what's best at the moment. Three flowers. You may not know this about me, but I am strong and stand up for what I want. Your love and dedication is amazing, but what I need right now is a little bit of privacy to deal with all the hard things that life is throwing my way. If you could do that, I would be forever grateful. Love you. So Brittany, allegedly, in her words, said this following a concern for where she was. She hadn't been around since the cancellation of her domination tour, which or residency, which she named, uh, blamed on her father, Jamie Spears' illness. Jamie Spears had fallen out of grace with the public. I mean, well, for many people in general because of the setup, but specifically because of the aforementioned uh, restraining order. She blamed it on her dad's illness, canceled a very lucrative residency. One of her co-conservator lawyers, after proposing a raise in November, stepped down in maybe March. Uh, Brittany was missing all the while. And on a podcast called Brittany's Gram, where they provided comedic commentary about Brittany's Instagram, they played a voicemail allegedly from a paralegal that worked on her case essentially saying she was being held against her will. She was at a mental institution. They, uh, she decided to go off her meds, and as a result, her tour was canceled. The unconfirmed source, confirmed by the podcasters, but me confirming something to you is different from like a third-party organization confirming something, and I assume they wouldn't give up their source. Beyond that, I don't think they had one. If I were that guy, I would call, I would have my friend call and use their voice who had no affiliation or something. You know what I mean? It's dangerous to do that. Uh, I'm sure he's under an NDA of some kind. But um, anyway, every every news article that's talked about this voicemail has said unconfirmed. So, again, I don't know. Uh, It seems cruel to make it up, though, is my problem. But he basically said that during domination rehearsals, she stopped taking her medication as it was prescribed. And was essentially given an ultimatum, Jamie Spears deciding to ultimately pull the show and telling her to blame it on his illness. So the show was canceled in January. And the the piece of me residency was so successful. I like I said, I went to it. It was incredible. What we know of Brittany is allegedly that she loves to perform, um, but also that she probably wants peace at some point and wants to just relax. I think that. When you have a lot of money and you've worked a ton, like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you do want to pump the brakes. But allegedly it was so she went off her meds, blamed it on her dad's illness and then kind of went missing. There were rumors of her being checked into a mental health facility since mid-January, but we never heard from her officially till April 24th in that statement I just read. Around that time, her mother, who she had on and off estrangement from, uh, liked some comments related to freeing Britney from the conservatorship Jamie's ex-wife allegedly did. Lynn wrote a memoir in 2008 about raising Britney, and there's a lot of troubling, you know, information about the father, Jamie Spears' behavior, um, you know, with anger and alcoholism. And uh, beyond that, she talks about the time that it was a near life or death situation and commended uh, Jamie and the rest of the camp for doing what they needed to do. and getting the conservatorship together. I don't know if that book ever came out, did it? I've seen screenshots on the internet, but I don't know. I also feel like I heard it got scrapped. But 
It's called Through the Storm, ironically. Uh, I'd argue that the storm returneth. And beyond that, her little sister, who I guess up until this point was the only person that specifically uh, talked about it, I think a day or two after the Free Britney protest, she posted an old paparazzi video um, of like people screaming and absolute chaos surrounding her sister. That was just like, yeah, a really difficult scene to watch when you think about how invasive it is. And um, that, you know, specifically around the time of her mental health issues. And Jamie Lynn said, I've been here long before anyone else and I'll be here long after. I love my sister with everything I have. So anyone or anything that speaks out to the contrary can GTFOH with all of the comments about what you don't understand. I've had heard some people say that she's not on good terms with Jamie Lynn. I thought she always was on good terms with Jamie Lynn. I think we have hard proof she of her being on good terms with Jamie Lynn from the smash hit. And by that, I mean hit in my heart, not in the mainstream commercial sense uh, called Chillin' With You a duet with Jamie Lynn Spears, where they talk about how Brittany drinks red and Jamie Lynn drinks white. Can Brittany drink? That's that's contradictory to what I would think. I drink red and Kelly drinks white. This does make me the Brittany in this situation. I need to think about that. Uh, but anyway, yes, Chillin' With You is a really good song. So is Email My Heart. And honestly, I'm a big uh, stand for Dear Diary. I like some of her lesser known non-hits. But chilling with you is is a is a, a hoot. It's half a slow song, half like a tech. It's confusing. Uh, also, can I make a motion that we're officially done with the word chillaxin? I feel like when she did chillin with you, it was when people like chillax was deemed an acceptable verb to keep within our lexicon. I, I hope I hope it's so done. I, we don't even see it go to the Michael Scott was levels of ironic triteness. You know what I mean? Uh, so. Her mom kind of fanned the flames. Jamie Lynn staunchly defends Britney, but also defends the situation being right. And she did so a couple days ago, too, which really made me think. There was also some mention of David LaChapelle saying she something wasn't right at her last set. And he, she wanted to be in a cage. But to be fair, Taylor Swift, like every concert and music video, she's in some sort of cage hostage to her feelings. I think that's a famous person thing. But yeah, Chillin' With You is her self-titled, more autobiographical album, Britney Jean from 2013. So it's not, you know, it's seven years ago, but it's following the conservatorship, following the quote unquote meltdown. And uh, I, I keep putting these in quotes that I feel like are insensitive, but like that they're broadly referred to. I don't know what to do, guys. This, this isn't going to be perfect. Um, but I don't know. I just have always felt like her and Jamie Lynn were fine. And she has writing credits on Chillin' With You, which is also why I bring it up, because she had a hand in writing it and the sentiment of it. And she doesn't have uh, of all of the songs she has out. Just like Hamilton, Britney wrote 51 and only seven have ever been singles. Uh, when you look at the broader catalog of songs she's been involved with, her having writing credits on 71 is actually quite a small percentage that I don't have in front of me. I was looking at it because I wanted to see when she wrote songs and what that could maybe tell us about her life. And not that I I can do anything meaningful without a really lengthy lyrical analysis, which I don't have time for. Um, but I did find it interesting that... In 2003, her album um, In the Zone, she had uh, seven writing credits, which is some of the highest of any of her albums. She has virtually like maybe one or two throughout the Kevin Federline years. And then after she uh, was engaged and then breaks up with her, I believe, agent fiance, uh, Jason, in 2012, her 2013 album has nine writing credits on it. 
I view In The Zone and Britney Jean as two of the more autobiographical true Britney albums when you listen to the words. And if you want to hear Britney's real voice, listen to the, the her first album. Uh, the, not, the songs besides Baby One More Time. This is another mm, piece of the conspiracy that I struggle with at first, but now I don't think is as baseless uh, as I initially thought because he's admitted to it. Like, I, I hate myself for this, but like, you know, before I get to the meat of the situation, <laughs> allow me to welcome back ButcherBox. So there, we had a PowerPoint party on Tuesday career night, and somebody talked about how they like moved from the big city to a farm. And they were talking about uh, how, yeah, like you can feed a cow one blade of grass and call it grass fed. It needs to be grass finished free uh, even like free range chickens can just mean like they have access to outside but it doesn't mean they are outside technically i'm a free range chicken and i rarely go outside um <laughs> what's wrong with me uh, so butcher box when it comes to meat quality matters there are so many hidden costs with low quality meat and high quality humanely raised meat humanely raised meat matters not only because it's better for you and better for the animal but also better for the environment greg and i have steak sundays every other week now because of the PowerPoint parties. And I'm obsessed with ButcherBox because it's hard to find 100% grass finished beef, keyword finished, genuine like free range organic chicken, heritage bred pork or wild caught salmon at the grocery store. It's expensive. It's hard to come by. And beyond that, we all learned in during COVID, like you need to be prepared. It's good to have things in your freezer. ButcherBox fed me throughout the pandemic. And I am so grateful for them. I love their cause. I love that they support uh, ethical farmers. I love that they ship a curated selection of high quality meat right to my home every month. Each box has nine to 11 pounds of meat, enough for 24 individual meals. It's packed fresh, shipped frozen, and vacuum sealed so it stays that way. It's, I don't know, I think it's kind of a no-brainer. If you already are eating a lot of meat and you want to feed your family, and if you want to have an affordable and convenient way to get healthy and humanely raised meat, Look no further because around six dollars a meal, I think it nets out to. Uh, you can get the highest quality meat from ButcherBox, and they have free shipping nationwide except Alaska and Hawaii. So mark a visit to the meat counter off your list and receive quality meats delivered to your door now. Just go to butcherbox.com/slash/be there in five. That's butcherbox.com/slash/be there in five. So when she first got on the scene, you might remember if you also are a stand of VH1's Behind the Music, she was famously on Star Search. Let me play you a little bit of her voice at, I believe, nine years old. So, I mean, she's considerably younger in this clip, but her vo her voice is so strong uh, for that age. She also sung in this manner on uh, Mickey Mouse Club. And I'd argue that her non-hit, like her non-singles in her early albums sound closer to this. She obviously is famous for that bubblegum nasal uh, sound. And I was doing more research on this, and I actually thought this was conspiracy based, but it's actually not because 
I just think the way it's framed is where it gets conspiratorial. So a man named Eric Foster White, she worked, he's, who's a producer and a writer, she worked with for about a month who reportedly kind of changed her voice from uh, low and I think they likened it to more like a Sheryl Crow. It, it wasn't poppy enough. So they trained her to trained her to shift her delivery to what's they call distinctively unmistakably Britney. And it's kind of one of those things where, I mean, you just heard her growl in star search. Like that was the thing in the nineties. It was all about the, the divas. That was a full, like she was doing a full Tony Braxton unbreak my heart growl there. She has the, the, the chops. Um, but this was a deliberate marketing move to, be less uh, sexy and mature and woman-like and more girl-like. And that it wasn't like you're singing from the diaphragm. It's kind of like singing from like the chest, throat, nose, uh, kind of like the the very girly, like fluttering pitches of like a lot of Mariah songs. Um, there was a need, I think, to pander to a younger demographic, to groom young talent. And I think there was a priority to carve her out of place in the market. And they kind of trained her voice to have this signature poppy sound. The thing is, when you hear her voice, I mean, from the from day one, from her first uh, baby, baby, I'm not saying it like her, but that that, you know, the first two words of her first single, I was like, is she saying babin babin? Like, it's so nasal. It's not natural. But I think that what was once a quest for marketplace distinction turned into a habitual loss of what is very much a muscle that needs to be exercised, you know, just like any other. It's not the proper terminology, but your vocal cords like they can change and they can adapt. And the way you sing matters. And a lot of like people that were trained singers when they're younger, if you haven't done it for 10, 20 years, like. They have trouble singing. I have friends that kind of are like, yeah, I can't really sing anymore. Uh, it's something you have to uh, make a, a habit of and continuously train and improve. So I actually don't think it's crazy that people say they changed her voice. Uh, Eric Foster White did a an interview actually about the song Email My Heart, which made me laugh because that song is so bad and it's so weird and now I question his integrity, knowing just like he was the writer behind it. Um, but I'm not saying it's not a problem that she was forced to change her voice. But I'm saying there's two ways you can look at it. As some sort of sinister plan to turn her into this uh, way too young, sexy, girly pop star that was being oversexed and overworked. and among other problematic themes uh, for when she was, what, 15 or 16, into what is today a uh, hugely controlled star that people think is part of some sort of, like, you know, financial exploitation plot. Or at the very least, I mean, again, we read Jessica Simpson's book. This this wasn't exactly the um, era of feminism. This wasn't exactly the era where music execs were telling women to embrace their bodies to take care of themselves to stand for something like it was like no dilute yourself be less of yourself 
lose all the weight, take off all your clothes. And meanwhile, let's fundamentally change who we are because it's not about you as an artist. It's about you are a vessel that is the artist that we want to put in the marketplace because we are making music off of a demand-based strategy and trying to create a movement here. Jive was very much behind this like resurgence of pop. They, they'd signed NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, Britney. Like they were, they had a purpose. They weren't concerned about the artists. We all know the Lou Pearlman scam with the back uh, with the Backstreet Boys and among other groups. Like this was a time where people were really taken advantage of, and there was so much problematic language, behavior, and coercing of young women to do things they maybe didn't want to push things onto them that were maybe a little too mature for their age. And beyond that, it can be incredibly psychologically damaging as you get older. And um, yeah, so do I think it's that's a good thing? No. Do I think it's probably more so a function of what they were trying to carve out at the time and how literally every single pop star in the early aughts was very much not themselves, but a product of exactly what the label wanted them to be like? Yeah, I, I, you know, Christina got to have that that powerhouse voice um, and kind of go that direction. But I would argue Christina is nowhere close to the Britney level of of uh, sense like pop sensation. Like she's a household name. Yes. But we there is a, a je ne sais quoi about Britney, an obsession we have with her. There was a focus on her that was not similar to the others. Um, anyway, that was just a total side note. What I was saying before that. Per the discussion of Britney and her voice, finding her voice, when I was starting this deep dive, I kind of got obsessed with like everything is like from this source or this document or quoted by this former person she worked with. But what does Britney say? Like this whole thing, the the irony I find in all of it is. To go back to her Instagram post from April of 2019, when she allegedly was being held against her will at a mental hospital, according to that voicemail. But we don't know that for sure. All we knew is she kind of went missing after she said cancel domination, allegedly based to, on her dad's illness. She specifically said, I am trying to take a moment for myself. Everything that's happening is making it harder for me. Don't believe, believe everything you read or hear. My situation is unique. I'm doing what's best. You may not know this about me. I'm strong. I stand up for what I want. I need a little bit of privacy right now. If you do that, I would be so grateful. Like she's the, all, the, the battle cry of the free Britney movement is that they want Britney to be heard. They want her to find her voice. They're concerned that she isn't the one who is the mouthpiece in the operation, which could be true. But you know what also could be true? Britney is talking to us and asking us to stay out of it. And we're the ones not listening. And to be the people advocating for her voice and simultaneously allowing it to fall on deaf ears is kind of what I think is is so troublesome in all of this and is so lose lose and is why I largely stayed out of it. And I think represents a broader, interesting irony of fandom in that when you love someone so much, you want more and more and more per give me more per piece of me. Also, she didn't write any of those, but we do uh, know give me more will go down in history. As the Scala women hopped off of that sober party bus with their bus driver, Greg, into a sushi restaurant. What a dream. What a life. Simpler times. <laughs> people always wanting more from the people they love is a fascinating problem of fandom in that the people who care the most should respect 
the famous person the most, but they're often the last to do it because they feel entitled to something or because they feel more involved than they actually are or ever could be because the best stars, the superstars, the Taylor Swifts of the world, the Britneys of the world, their music infiltrates our lives and our memories so deeply, we do feel like we know them. And while that is a skill to be admired, it is also a burden to bear. And I think that the aggressive pursuit of free Britney, I've just never known how to feel about it because if she wants her privacy and needs me time, especially in the instance of mental health, I would want to give her that. I think she deserves that. And if anything, I find it interesting that her Instagram got popular because it was kind of odd. And that to me would kind of track with the not taking medication. And for this to be the moment we want to free Britney, I find a little bit backward because something's clearly different from when she was working. And again, you can see this two ways. Was she being forced to work? Was she sedated? Was she drugged? Was something going on? And now this is the true Britney and she deserves to you know, be free or is the, you know, not, not to like speculate, but this is like what people are saying. And it's hard not to like get into this, like just to skim it, but like theoretically, let's say she was able to work under the conditions of that voicemail when she was medicated and that enables her to function more safely within whatever condition she deals with. Theoretically, a situation like a conservatorship could be the thing that actually contains an element of freedom because off of her medication, she's kept within parameters that medical professionals and a court of law have deemed safe enough to where she won't be a harm to herself or others. Or she won't, uh, you know, accidentally gamble away, not literally gamble, you know what I mean? Like if she was deemed incapable of handling her financial affairs. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Theoretically, not theoretically, literally, a a conservatorship's entire point is is to protect the conservatee, not to benefit the conservator. And as you'll find out in the legal interview I do later, even if the conservators stole from her because they do have to provide very detailed accountings, not only for the conservatorship itself, but any outside trust. They're bonded. So she if they anybody stole from her, she would get the she get paid back. So I don't know. This is just kind of where I struggle and I can see both sides. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to side A, side B, just like a good old fashioned cassette tape. Uh, I'm going to give you both sides. I will provide you my commentary where I see fit. But what I'm going to do instead of try to be a person that pretends they know everything about the law. This will partially be me going through the, the, the timeline of Brittany and of the conservatorship and the things that people find to be suspect. And I'll explain what I myself have self-taught from deep diving into the California courts websites. Beyond that, side B, I'm going to extract all or most, as much as I can get in in the time we have, of the questions that I have that don't add up to a person objectively looking at this from my point of view, it is a non-legal professional who is not in the business. And I'm going to have a recorded discussion with a probate attorney who does this for a living. Actually, I've talked to two probate attorneys 
one out of LA that wouldn't be recorded, and one that would let me record her out of Texas. Both very bright women that have no connection to the case, but every connection and understanding of conservatorship law or probate law, and who finds this case to be equally as fascinating as we do, but at the same time think that there's a huge uh, gap in terms of the public's understanding of the nuances that exist within this type of law. Because when you're taking away somebody's constitutional rights, the court better be pretty damn sure this is the best case scenario for you. Otherwise, you're, you're hurt, you're in trouble, or something far, far more tragic. What is the answer? I don't know. But also, there needs to be a level of understanding of the inherent confidentiality of the smoking gun of this case, which is something called a capacity declaration that a third-party medical provider, though I know under what people deem to be allegedly sketchy terms because of the duration of involvement this doctor had, I will explain that later, and I will also tie him back to Adam Streisand, who's an important figure in this, but th- she's entitled to her privacy. She's, all of her rights are stripped, but she still is entitled to her privacy of her medical records. Think about it, guys. That's the only thing she still has that is, is completely sealed and confidential, hasn't been leaked, hasn't, somebody hasn't gotten out of an NDA and, and said something about her. Like, I just can't imagine how exposed I'd feel and trapped at the same time. And I just think we, we need to have a comfort level with never having clarity on this case because we're not going to get it. And the most hospitable environment for conspiracy theories are in these types of situations where there are no answers because there is a variable that fundamentally is not going to be revealed or unsealed or, you know, will always be unknown for some reason. Because people that want closure will forever search for answers and the answers get further and further from reality the more you try to make sense of the senseless. I don't think all of this is a conspiracy theory. I think there are a lot of concerning truths that lie within this case um, and a lot of convenient uses of the law and taking advantage of a time period where she was incapacitated. I don't love it. I worry for her and it's my personal nightmare. But I also don't want to be a person that pretends to understand the breadth and depth of mental health issues that exist and what it looks like day to day, not to us, the public, but to the people in her everyday life who love her, care for her, need to keep her safe. I just do not know. And I don't think it's fair to try to convince you one way or the other. I'd rather you decide for yourself. And that's why I'm kind of presenting both sides. So a lot of the stuff I'm about to go through, it's kind of like gossipier, more media related. Um, I'll drink every time I say allegedly, I don't want Britney's team coming after me. I'm doing this out of love for her. Uh, because I want people to consider that this it, there's a, just as likely of a possibility this could be legitimate, which you won't think so until you hear from the lawyer. Um, but I don't know. And I'm I'm terrified of fandoms. Fandoms are always like that's also what I avoid. I'm an independent podcaster. I'm not backed by a network like I don't I, I don't have connections like I'm not I am a normal person who has a podcast and that just happened to get bigger. And I'm so lucky to be here. and. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like people that are part of fandoms are really hard on outlets that like kind of insert themselves at the at the last minute because I don't have the depth and duration of knowledge and commitment Britney fans do. And I don't pretend to. I honestly want to do right by you guys. And I want to breathe life into what you think are huge glaring problems and is also be completely fair to her and get a lawyer's perspective. 
trust me, I understand when I feel like Fairweather fans insert themselves and or uh, inflexible fans are unwilling to uh, kind of open, expand their uh, understanding or interest in an artist by being incredibly stubborn about the way they need them to be or the things they need them to make or whatever. I've I've had my fair share of battles with Taylor Swift's Reputation album, what I think is her finest work, a beautiful piece of art, that I find people really hang their hat on, on a clinical mapping of lyrics to relationships, lyrics to people, lyrics to timeline, when that's just not how a songwriting and art works. And she could have written songs years ago that pop up later. She could have written songs at the very last minute, like I think she apparently wrote Lover and changed her album from Daylight to Lover. I don't know. No, but that's the thing is when nobody knows anything for certain, I don't really understand why people fight because you're entitled to your own interpretation. And I don't think our interpretations, if we feel strongly, should feel compromised by somebody else feeling otherwise. So I do not mean to insert myself into your movement. And I certainly am not trying to be an annoying, like contrarian. Uh, I really, truly am honestly going for for fairness. And uh, so let's get a little bit more into it in terms of specific uh, timelines and i want to play you a couple of clips of her famously talking about her situation in 2008 um in an mtv documentary and cut scenes from the dvd version that god bless kind souls have updated uh, uploaded to youtube these are sad these are concerning and these spell out her sentiment toward the conservatorship a year in and it also kind of explains a little of how she got there it's and beyond that, I think the thing we have to remember is this is likely not what she wants, but is it what she needs? And that is the entire uh, premise of this sort of situation. It's that people have to gain control because you don't want to maintain control or you are physically incapable of maintaining control. Um, so anyways, listen to what she has to say about the, the, her situation following this 2007, uh, media dubbed meltdown. And then we're going to go rewind a little bit and tell you what got her to this point. Even when you go to jail, there's always the time that you know that you're going to get out, you know, but in this situation, it's never ending. There's no excitement. There's no, there's no passion. If I wasn't under the restraints that I'm under right now, I'd feel so liberated. And when I tell them the way I feel, it's like they hear me, but they're really not listening. This is what I don't want to be as a person who hears but is really not listening. In this context, she was speaking out kind of against her, like, yeah, her handlers, her conservatorship. That's who wasn't listening to her. I don't know if in the past 12 years there's been a better understanding, a better, like, you know, and now... She's allegedly, this is where it gets hard. Is she talking to us? And we're again, not listening. She, all she ever talks about is like being a Sagittarius and caring about freedom and independence and liberty. She said this recently on our Instagram, but she, A, she doesn't physically have any and B, even the people who like love her most and want the best for her don't seem to give her that either. But the problem with these theories is like, she's not the one running it. She's not her own mouthpiece. Somebody is allegedly running her Instagram. I'd argue the more concerning reality is that somebody else would be running her Instagram in this infantile manner, pretending, you know what I mean? Like her Instagram is like cute and fun and she looks beautiful and she dances and the video editing is like a little bit 
different. But what I mentioned earlier with like the, the punctuation and the manner of writing and I don't know, to me, the captions are what I'm like. It would almost be more like disturbing if somebody if she wasn't doing her Instagram and they were making her write like this. You know what I mean? I've done I, I, I consult creatively with companies. I've done tone of voice documents before and tried to write their brand story and do copy in their voice. And like this, that is that is just not a normal ask. Like, I cannot imagine even ethically being like, can you make this? I, I don't know how to explain it, but like, I don't think that that's realistic. And I actually do think that the Britney that's gotten attention and the Britney's gram of it all, the kind of more comedic piece, because we didn't maybe realize till we got further in, there was something else going on. I think a lot of that is perhaps an indication that she actually is allowed to finally run her social media. She's not working. There was a trade-off, but alas, I do not know anything. Um, But let's revisit that documentary really fast and hear her in her own words kind of say what got her to the breaking point in 2008. I've been through a lot this year. Well, actually, the past two or three years, and my trust has really been battered. I've definitely grown up <laughs> big time. You know, I'm very weary of a lot of things, you know, so very protective of myself. Sometimes it can get kind of lonely. You're guarded, you know. You have to be that way. Otherwise, you get it taken advantage of and get in situations like I did the past year. I had, like, certain people into my life that were, that were just bad people. And I was very guarded at first, but then I went to a point where I ended up letting them in because I was lonely or whatever the fact, and I really paid the consequences for that big time. But I just feel like, you know, you do something wrong and you learn from it, you move on, but it's like I'm having to pay for it for a really long time. (laughs) Category. I look back and I do not see how I got through that. And the winner... Got through what you might be asking? Well, since this is a deep dive, I actually wanted to go back a little bit and go into a little bit more detail. What like 2003 to 2007 actually looked like in some more specifics, because I think there's a lot here that points to Britney being fairly untreated and harassed that could drive anybody, you know, to their breaking point. Uh, But beyond that, that there was a lot more going on behind the scenes with custody custody and the, the safety of her children. But I think that the arguments about her up until this point are a little bit oversimplified because here's the thing. I think people should evolve and grow. And that even that statement she just made that I played where she's like, I made a mistake and I'm going to be paying for it for a really long time. It makes me feel for her because I do believe in redemption and I do believe that people change and you can make a hell of a lot of mistakes and, you know, completely do a 180 if you prove yourself behaviorally to you know that this isn't a pattern it was an exception but here's the thing is in the event of a pretty serious according to the law incapacitating mental illness like if it was if it was just uh drinking drugs bad actors in her life and you know something she could like sober up from it's it's one thing but it's another thing if there is a deep-seated uh, mental issue 
that she will have for life, as as many of us do. Some things, are, I, it just we can't know what it is if it's just purely episodic or if it's this ongoing. Um, it's going to be an ongoing battle in some sense that would put her or her family, their safety, it, it would compromise it. So do I think that I'm I'm telling you all these details to kind of let you just have all the information? Do I think that she still should be paying for mistakes she made 2003 to 2007? God, no. But I think that they she was 20, you know, two to 25 years old. And I think they maybe are serving as a precursor and some sort of precedent for what perhaps they found to be a deeper diagnosis that does require some restraints or could require them. I mean, like, I don't know. It's just again, I <laughs> it would be so hard to make this pass and not have something legitimately going on. And without knowing it, it's it's hard to say. If she herself has contested the conservatorship, I assume it's because she went off her medication. If all of these things line up, I don't know. Maybe she, like, really wants to get to a place where everything's, you know, back to normal and she has free will. I'm not sure. But as we've talked about, it, it it's very much not about, always about what the person wants. It's about what's best for them. And you just hope the courts and the people around them do right by them. Does that always happen? No. Do I pray that it is? Yes. Is it worth exploring because we worry about our queen? Absolutely. Let's keep going. That's Tugboat. Are you worried? Oh, Tugboat has a back injury, guys. This is also why this is late. <laughs> so join me in a journey through the yachts. Uh, so I went through, you know, 99, 2000. We, we, we know the basics. She has her lead single baby one more time. Early 99, it hits the number one on the Billboard 200. She gets, she poses on a bed incredibly inappropriately in a Rolling Stone magazine in like a bra laying down pretending to talk on the phone. That whole, I can't even get into that right now. She opens for NSYNC. They make fun of her boobs on Saturday Night Live. Oops, I did it again releases. And I'm forever blessed with both the knowledge of the choreography of Oops, I did it again from MTV's making the video. And beyond that, what I would argue is one of the most underrated talking bridges in pop history, just in terms of it makes no sense. It does not serve the song. And all the same, it makes the song, which is... There's something I want you to have. Oh, it's beautiful. But wait a minute, isn't this? Yeah, yes it is. But I thought the old lady dropped it into the ocean in the end. Well, baby, I went down and got it for you. Oh, you shouldn't have. I <laughs> It's like, it's funny because she didn't write this song, but just the notion of, you know, an old-timey, early, old-timey, early 20th century water vessel being talked about in an in like a spacecraft <laughs> makes no sense. The fact that Titanic came out three years before this makes no sense. But because Britney's doing it, it does make sense. Because she kind of like does bring up obvious or like, I don't know. She's still wearing low-rise shorts, guys. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. She's still wearing low-rise shorts. A lot of bottom lid liner. All the extensions. Her style is cute. It's just a little dated. And I think it's fair to say she might find out about trends a little late. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. God bless. I'm overlooking something like huge thematically. But um, anyway, I just think this makes no sense and all the sense. And it's just it's absolute perfection. You know, I love Taylor Swift. 
But spoken bridge songs like Oops, I Did It Again walked. So we are never, ever getting back together could run, you know, because her being like, so I called him up and he's all like, oh, I love you. And then and shake it off. Well, that's not talking the my ex-man. That's a bridge. Anyway, never mind. Was We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together produced by Ma- Max Martin? Because I think Oops, I Did It Again was. Yeah, they both were. I just did check. Wow. Interesting formula. Anyway, things are appropriately. Uh, she, she's on a, a rocket ship, career-wise. She has her ride. Just enjoy the ride. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I just tried to. I'm so sorry. Uh, Pepsi contract. She performs Slave for You with an anaconda. Or, and I think it's actually a python. Um, she releases her album, Britney. She has her big film moment as every starlet must, whether it's Christina Aguilera and Mulan's Reflection or Mandy Moore and Center Stage's I Want to Be With You. She dates the mega hottie Justin Timberlake, very famously, very publicly. In 2002, her and JT and their relationship. In 2003, I'd argue that outside of, you know, her sexy dance moves and, you know, crop tops and nude suits with sparkles and some of her racier outfits and dance moves, she largely didn't breach, you know, FTC complaint territory until August 29, 2003, when she kisses Madonna during Like a Virgin. Nobody cares that Christina kisses Madonna. For some reason, people only care about Britney. I don't know if you would agree with that, but that is kind of my take. Because if nothing, I am a historian of VH1 Behind the Musics. And I would argue that was a way bigger feature in Britney's than Christina's. So following her breakup with JT, uh, like I said earlier, she has her fourth album in his own. She writes seven of these songs. I, I have a hypothesis that she writes the most when she's amidst heartbreak. Uh, if not indulging in other substances, which, you know, we all will dabble throughout our life and try different things, but we're not in the media spotlight. So this is where things start to get troublesome for her. But I'd argue in the grand scheme of life, aren't that big of a deal. She finally has a little bit of freedom. She marries her childhood friend, Jason Alexander, in 2004 at a wedding chapel in Vegas. And all's it 55 minutes, I think, later. A a media firestorm at the time, a Kardashian Tuesday today. You know what I mean? People make mistakes, people do things. A big deal, sure. But the heat she got for that, I think, was largely unfounded. I think this is where her image starts to shift. Uh, Then in April, she's 2004, she spotted with a dancer, Kevin Federline, who actually is... It's a very Chloe Tristan Thompson situation. He was with Shar Jackson, who was pregnant with his child, but he starts to date Britney. They get married in 2004. She also fires her manager, Larry Rudolph. She later rehires. Her greatest hits come out. She's banned from the Oscars along with Pamela Anderson and Paris Hilton because they didn't want it to become a sideshow. I mean, remember when like pretension and rudeness was allowed? I like. Now I feel like you could never just be like, um, you're trashy. You know, like, I feel like that's what they were basically saying. She, she's pregnant in April of 2005. She f- has a reality show being filmed chaotic, which is tough stuff. Uh, she's seen vomiting in a swimming pool of a hotel. I don't know if at the time this was, like, controversial. or Because now I'm like, well, did they know she was pregnant? You know what I mean? Like, it's not that crazy otherwise. 
she has her first child, Sean Preston, in, I think, 2005. And from there, things get a little dicey. She's seen driving with her son on her lap, which she claims is due to paparazzi, which I can honestly see. If somebody's following you and aggressively pursuing you, it becomes a hierarchy of needs. And I can understand getting away being the priority over the car seat if your child's safety is compromised. But the uh, the other side of that is you would argue the child's safety is more compromised not being in a car seat. Please, moms of the Internet, don't come after me. I do not have children. I'm not saying this is right. I'm just saying it's not the craziest thing if she would like want to hop in a car and like turn into her driveway or turn in a corner and like escape people. I don't know. I don't know, guys. Don't listen to me. Um, OK, so she had. Sean Preston federal line in September of 2005. She gives birth to her second child. Jaden Federline in September 12th, 2006. Files for divorce from Federline in 2000, November of 2006. Checks into a rehab facility in February of 2007. If you're trying to tell me that you wouldn't be absolutely driven to your limit by stalker, paparazzi stalking you, people criticizing your every move, people overthinking your Vegas marriage, you being singled out and criticized for being overly sexual when Christina Aguilera is out here too dirty to clean her act up. She has two kids within one year's time. Are you telling me there's not a whole host of postpartum potential issues there from postpartum depression to postpartum psychosis? I'm not diagnosing. I just want to elaborate on the reality of what women endure following one birth, much less two in a short period of time that she could have been dealing with. Not only is it an immense change, there's a lot of chemical changes going on in your body. And beyond that, she endures a divorce. Who's going to divorce Brittany? Around that time, too, she is spotted constantly with a guy named Sam Lutfi, who claimed to be her manager, but we don't actually know if that was ever the case. Allegedly, in a way I can't really confirm beyond Lynn Spears's book, suggesting that Sam getting away from Sam was the priority. And other than the court documents that I do not know if are legitimate, suggest that a big priority of her not being able to attend her own hearing was because they were concerned if she knew of the conservatorship, she would tell Sam Lutfi. I mentioned earlier one of the uh, one of the reasons you would per- pursue a conservatorship, not only for managing financial affairs, not only for managing your person, but also if you're susceptible to undue influence. Undue influence here being Sam Lutfi her uh, uh, her manager slash friend slash bad influence that is is blamed for drugging her that is blamed for manipulating her stealing from her i mean there's so many rumors that are all alleged and unconfirmed but he was a big source of the problem and in britney's statement i read to you earlier from 2019 she does cite him as a person who's writing fake emails so she checks out of the rehab facility the next day in february of 2007 Two days later, she is seen shaving off all of her hair at an L.A. salon. This is one of the early stages of rumors, at least for me, because it's there is an interview you can find somewhere on the Internet where the press is uh, interviewing the salon owner when she went in. And it kind of got like scrubbed from every everything. But the salon owner basically says that she asked to, you know, pull the curtains, you know, 
to, to close off the windows with the curtains so nobody could see her. And that she wanted to shave her head because she, everyone was always touching her. Everybody was always like glamming her, touching her face, touching her hair. Like she just didn't, it was like a statement for her of like wanting to be free. And her, the salon owner says at some point somewhere that her security actively opened the curtains. And this to me is kind of where this is early pursuing of painting her to look crazy maybe physically crazier than she actually was to serve a purpose for what was being planned uh, down the pipeline with the conservatorship. Here's where I think things get unfair. Do I think Brittany suffers from mental illness? Absolutely. I don't think the nature of her conservatorship would exist if she did not have a very clear uh, diagnosed type of disorder or disorders that would label her by a court of law to not have the capacity to resist undue influence, which is something a third-party doctor would have to provide to uh, label you incapable of making your own decisions. And the courts don't take this lightly. I will go into this later. And I understand there's a lot of controversy around that and the dimension of it all and whatever. Um, I do think she suffers from mental illness. Mental illness looks different on in every situation. It's highly individualized. There's spectrums w- within each disorder. There's combinations of things you can have your your the way it physically manifests the way it mentally manifests and the course of treatment are all highly individualized that are both inappropriate to speculate on and um none of us are qualified to diagnose but i will say i think that a lot of what she deals with we probably can't see and is either sh- you know shielded from us or is more of like a mental personality based thing um, because over the years she's been kind of like pulled out of interviews and even in the early years, her interviews are a little bit bizarre. Um, but I think that my suspicion was always that there was some deliberate setup to make physical manifestations of the type of quote unquote crazy that people love to label women with who are actually just being oftentimes expressive who are allowed to be flawed, who are allowed to make mistakes. However, publicly or privately, one emits chaos at, an indiv- at a given point of their life, whether in a relationship or otherwise. People have their moments. People have limits. And people have to learn and grow in how to deal with things. And I think this was a time when it was very popular not only to be shockingly, alarmingly terror-read levels of thin, and people would pick you apart on the tabloid covers, a lot of what we talked about in the Jessica Simpson memoir review. But beyond that, this concept of like, Britney's lost her mind, downward spiral, public breakdown, nervous breakdown. Click here to see Britney's top 15 mega meltdown moments. You know, it became what I then didn't understand to be mental health related, largely due to tabloid fodder. I now see it as something totally different, just being an older woman and looking at those, all of those events I mentioned leading up to that and realizing anybody would have, how on earth would you, would you keep your head on straight? A person who wasn't dealing with some broader mental illness. And in that prime age, when you're probably maybe coming to terms, exploring, therapizing, trying to figure out what's going on in your brain, because we only know our own heads. And I think it takes some time and some outside input to maybe realize some things are off sometimes. Um, she'd been go, go, go for so long, stops to have her kids, which is a whole other 
you know, thing to add to the mixture. And I'm just like, I get it. I get it. I've and I in watching her be stalked on a gurney, watching the people yell at her at her own gate till she cries. The videos of the paparazzi are horrendous. And it makes me feel so differently about it now in a way that I genuinely feel bad. And this is where the conspiracy parts come in that I, I can't verify and I'm not really sure about. And you'll find later where we get into the legal piece. I I am not convinced by the conspiracy theories as it relates to the legal terms of the conservatorship, but I will get into that. Um, I think there is a part that was set up, but the, the part of this that was not, well, yes, we know it was the conservatorship in 2008 was set up, but I do think the uh, presence of media amidst her meltdown could have potentially been part of a setup to depict her in a certain way that would sway the public, potentially sway the legal system, potentially sway the acceptance of a really restrictive situation. But if we were, you know, taught that she was absolutely losing it, we would maybe accept a little bit more easily, you know, because I think a lot of these moments shouldn't have been captured on video. And uh, it's very possible that her security and people around her were tipping people off. It's very possible all the while uh, bad actors like Sam Leffy were making it worse. Oh, OK, wait, I just did a little more research. There's a special on mm, Fox News, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> at one point called Britney Spears Breaking Point. And this is where the salon owner, I guess, talked. Her name's Esther. She says in the special, she revealed that one of the two bodyguards who'd accompanied Spears to the salon repeatedly opened the blinds to let the horde of photographers outside, outside the shop snap pictures of Spears buzzing off her own hair. Spears arrived at the salon around closing time. We were cleaning up and there was a bunch of flashing lights and we were wondering, uh-oh, what's it? what happened? Police, ambulance? We look out and it's a bunch of white lights flashing and somebody knocked on the door because we always keep the door locked saying, hey, open the door. Britney Spears wants to come in. And of course, I said, what for? And they proceeded to come in. She sat in my chair. I said, what's up? Can I help you? She said, I want to shave my hair off. She tried to talk Spears out of it to no avail. I said, no, you don't. And she said, oh, yes, I do. She had two bodyguards supposedly keeping an eye out to make sure the paparazzi were not getting pictures. And one of them kept opening the blinds. I had blinds on the side of the salon back then. I had a sliding glass door and I kept saying, there's nobody over there. Why do you keep opening up the blinds? Well, I found out days later why he was opening up the blinds because there was a photographer hiding to take photos. I tried to talk her out of it. And I said, you don't want to do that. Tomorrow is a different day. You'll feel differently tomorrow. Let's talk about it. God bless the uh, hairstylists of the world that are talking us through our issues. She says that while the Spears circus went on, she was also fielding calls from her own brother who said she'd been slated, to, who said he, she'd been slated to meet with, b b oh, she, so the salon owner was fielding calls from her brother who she was supposed to meet with before Brittany got there. When she went to take the call, she says, by the time I came back, she had grabbed a buzzer. She was testing to see how it was going to feel or look to buzz her hair. My phone rang again. So as I'm answering my phone and I realized she went into that other room, sat in the chair and buzzed half of her hair off. She said she tried to help Spears fix the situation, but that Spears didn't want to change a thing once she shaved her head. She also claims that Spears was happy with her shaved head and recalls the singer singing, my mom's going to be pissed. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the dance studio boss, Robert Baker, told the mirror that Spears' father, Jamie, is likely the reason the singer is still alive today following her psychiatric episodes. It's like, who's paying who? So that's an interesting thing that I actually didn't really know. I, 
I thought that the security guards would be in cahoots with the dad. But this is kind of hinting at that the security guards were paid off by the paparazzi, I assume, handily. Um, so, you know, not that Britney's camp wanted that. Hmm. See, it's like, I just don't know. It could go either way. Um, he's this guy, this dance studio guy said, I've known Britney since 98. I saw her at the height of her fame and I saw her struggling. She was spiraling out of control. She was going through the worst time of her life and needed help. Her dad stepped in and gave her the help she needed. If he hadn't, things could have been very different. I don't think she would still be with us today. Oh, geez. Um, that's a sad thought. Uh, in recent media news, there's been increasing personal turmoil between Brittany and Jamie, as well as her ex-husband. Oh, yeah. And then it's talking about Federline obtaining a restraining order against Jamie on behalf of himself, Sean and Jaden after. Oh, Jamie allegedly put his hands on Sean, not Jaden. I was wrong about that. See, you can't listen to anybody. I there's too many details to keep track of. But that's another important thing to keep in mind, like in terms of. Her allegedly going crazy it's like like yes i do think she has so you know has issues with mental health and i don't know exactly what but also i think that the thing about mental health is a lot of things uh are exacerbated or triggered and when i think about all that she went through i just don't think it's a stretch to think that she was pushed to her breaking point and that even a person who didn't have any mental health issues would snap. And a piece that I did left, didn't say earlier that I was just thinking about with that article is, is the losing custody, right? You have two babies back to back beside all, besides all the post um, partum stuff. It's like, well, geez, she doesn't have custody. Like she's kind of spiraling and then like things get cyclical and things pile on top of each other. All the while you love your kids, no less. All the while, you want to spend time and be the you want to be the best person of version of yourself, I'm sure. But things do spin out of control and things do happen and people do come into your life. And I just can't imagine the terror of of especially separating from Kevin, who you no longer want to be with or respect and who Lord knows what happened with that. He has full custody of your two babies. I just like and was it safe for the babies at the time to be with her? Absolutely not. But like it doesn't mean. I just think the thing, the way you act and the way you feel are often two very different things. And I can't help thinking of how she felt during this time. You know, there were some other incidents I missed in. Um, 2006, like after she drove with Sean Preston on her lap, he fell out of her high chair. She got questioned by uh, the L.A. Department of Children and Family Services. She blamed the nanny. She was seen in New York nearly dropping Sean Preston, but like has a full coffee that's not touched. And she blamed the cobblestones. She continues to like smack her gum on Dateline, told Matt Lauer uh, that Sean Preston was in her lap because she used to sit on her dad's lap when like they drove because we're country. Um, then Jaden's born. Then they file for divorce. Kevin fights back. He files for sole custody. She parties pretty hard, you know, famously without underwear. Those are some of like the smaller details I left out in 2006 because it's like you get it. Um, and then. The then 2007 is when she shaves her head, she checks into Crossroads Center, a rehab facility in the Caribbean. Um, shaves her head, checks into Promises Malibu. Checks out less than 24 hours later. 
then checked back in um, because Kevin asks the court for an emergency hearing to help sort out custody issues. She completes the program in March. They reach a settlement on all issues of their marriage and child custody to split 50-50. Wait, does she fire Larry Rudolph again? Because I've sourced from like four different places to try to make sure I'm seeing stuff like uh, consistently. But this one article is by this one thing I'm reading is by MTV and they were linking back to. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway. She fires Larry Rudolph at some point. Um, and there's like a really weird video of her like mocking the camera guy in a Valley Girl voice. Do you guys remember this? Maybe I should find it. I don't do this to like mock her, but I'd rather just showcase kind of like the headspace she was in. While I think she was being silly and sarcastic, it's a little bit off, like a little bit like disassociative or something. Um, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for. Uh, I, I love a sarcastic Valley girl as much as the next guy, but these are two two separate incidences. Here's one quick one. Are you really going to try to reconcile with Kevin? That sure. What, what's with the rumors with that? You and Kevin, are you guys going to reconcile? Oh my God, like, yeah. Are you really? Oh my God. So we can believe the rumors, right? I know, like, right? Oh my God, where's Lindsay Lohan? Oh God. What do you think about Lindsay Lohan? <laughs> Brittany, what would you like to say to Lindsay Lohan? Well, Brittany might have not had anything to say to Lindsay Lohan, but I want to tell her that I think her hit single Rumors is criminally underrated, highly applicable to both her and Brittany's situation. I do know that at one point, Lindsay was in the runnings for a conservatorship, but does not have one, which is interesting. Uh, I also believe Misha Barton was considered for one. Or she might be in one. Amanda Bynes is in one, another child star who, with erratic wig-wearing behavior. But Amanda Bynes, I fear the worst. Like, just in terms... I don't know. Um, ugh, can't get into Amanda Bynes now. I, I bless her heart. I just think there's a lot we don't know that goes on with child stars. We can't know if there is abuse. We can't know if trying to be an adult too early, being overworked, you know, like... We can't trust showbiz parents like we there's just a lot of variables here. And um, here's one other clip that's I think this is May of 2007 for context. She shaved her head in February. Another Valley Girl voice, but this time she's very sarcastically, but also angrily, but also not really delivering the sarcasm well uh, about her like manager, Larry, sending her to rehab and this is when she that she fires larry soon after this i believe but it's like this is why it's so hard it's like she doesn't act she doesn't seem well and in which case somebody trying to get her to rehab would be a good thing sometimes with mental illness you can't know that you're not well the, the self-awareness isn't always there it's a it, this is impo it's impossible it's impossible to know what's going on i'm just trying to give you as much uh, as i can are you bored? Is this too much? <laughs> and there's going to be a whole second episode. Uh, this is a Brazilian paparazzo. It's called X-17. Catching her in like a shopping center uh, because she went and got sushi. And then they caught her at a tanning salon. And in, I think security said decline the interview. And she said, this is my moment. And then proceeds to do this. Okay. Tell me when you're ready. Okay. Hi, Brittany. Um, the first one, uh, we're so happy to stay here next to you. 
and I really appreciate it. I'm from uh, Brazil and uh, I work for X17 and uh, X17 always um, like you and uh, everything from you. Right. Um, but like, I just really like want to talk and just say like how nice our world is. Like it is so nice. Like I'm going to cry right now because like our world is so nice. No, it really is because like, oh my God, like the other day I saw like this magazine and I looked at it and it said like I was pregnant and like I went up to my mom and I was like, Oh my God, like my mom knew, like she was right. Like always believe everything you read, everybody. Like because I am, I really am pregnant. And then like I went to um, like um, this person and they saw it like on the USA Today like that, you know, like I was drinking a lot. Yeah. And it was so true, it was so true. And then okay. like it was just so weird because like then after that, like everybody, like, you know, just always believe what you read. Because like in all my management, they totally knew what they were doing when they sent me to rehab. Like totally. Like they totally knew what they were doing. Like it's just so weird how great and nice our world is. And like after this, nobody's gonna talk about this. Because our world is so nice. So that's all I wanted to say. So okay, bye. Okay, thank you for So it's like quirky sense of humor, you know, or like having a moment, having an episode, like, I don't know, it could go either way. And beyond that, as I tried to provide evidence for earlier, there's a lot of ways she was kind of driven crazy. You know what I mean? And the, uh, I feel like there was one around this. No, the night before she went, the conservatorship was filed and she got her seconds 5150. There's a weird video of her buying like a, tw like a 24 pack of Red Bull or something. I don't know. They're too dark. I don't like watching the paparazzi videos. I don't want to like delight in somebody else's misfortune. But I think that just it's like we all saw the pictures, but I don't know if back then like we were just watching Lonely Island videos. Like I don't know if we were watching Britney uh, paparazzi things. Um, OK, so where were we? OK, so there's a letter she writes on her website, BritneySpears.com in May 2007. It's called I Was So Lost. I forgot about this. She wrote, Dear fans, I just wanted to reach out to all of you and explain some of the things that I have been faced with recently. I'd like for you to keep in mind that theoretically, even though she probably was being controlled and like already had handlers and stuff, she's not in the conservatorship at this point. So she would have access to like a phone and a car and a computer, theoretically. Dear fans, I want to reach out to all of you and explain some of the things I've been faced with recently. It's so funny how many stories are put out there about people. It's like we all want our side of the story out there as well. But at the end of the day, only a few people care to hear what is really going on since the bad is always so much more interesting than the truth. I don't know why, but this is so weird to me. I used to be so angry at the tabloids for printing horrible things about me, but now I try to be numb to what I see. Oh. I saw Tyra Banks once get really upset and cry on her show because they made her look fat. We all want a certain image of ourselves out there, and at some point we all do really care what other people think or we wouldn't be here but recently i was sent to a very humbling place called rehab i truly hit rock bottom to this day i don't think it was alcohol or depression that's an interesting thing i haven't read before i was like a bad kid running around with add i had a manager from a long time ago come in and try to direct me in my life after i got my divorce i was at sam Lutfi. I was overwhelmed and i think i was in a little shock too i don't know who to go to i didn't know who to go to I realized how much energy and love I had put into my past relationship when it was gone because I genuinely did not know what to do with myself and it made me so sad. I confess I was so lost. This letter is not to place blame on anyone, although I do, do see the world with a completely different set of eyes now. 
being in that vulnerable state and taken to dinners and parties with friends and finding out later you paid for everything was such a huge learning lesson for me. Oh, it's interesting. I think the whole problem was letting too many people into my life. You never know another person's intentions or what another person wants. I feel I was too open and looking for answers when I had it all to begin with. I've had to cut so many people out of my life. It is so sad because if anyone is a family person, it is me. Oh. When I was little, I remember every night watching movies with my family and feeling so at peace. Dancing and singing all the time just like a little girl should. Now recently I find with my children that I want them to have that feeling all the time. I'm having to face a lot of things right now since I have children of my own. A lot of insecurities from when I was little are coming up. It's like we are never good enough. I know everyone thinks that I'm playing the victim, but I am not, and I hate what is going on right now so much. Maybe this is the real reason for this letter, to maybe allow people to look at me differently. It's like when you're a real woman and say what you feel and how you think things are supposed to be, and people just say you're a bitch. I feel like some of the people in my life made more of some issues than was necessary. I also feel like they knew I was beginning to use my brain for a change and cut some ties, so they wanted to be more in control of my life than me. That's interesting. I also feel like they knew I was beginning to use my brain for a change and cut some ties so they wanted to be more in control of my life than me. I think it is actually normal for a young girl to go out after a huge divorce. Totally. I think it was a bigger issue because I had not gone out in such a long time. I am 25 and I still do have a lot to learn. I mean, think about all she's gone through at this point at 25. And I'm going to make mistakes every day. And I am sure every mistake I make will probably be on CNN or Good Morning America. I am only human, and I love you for still loving me. I am sitting here at home, and it is 625, and both of my sons are asleep. I'm truly blessed to have them in my life. Every day is so surreal. Life in general is so surreal and crazy. I just hope this letter made some of you think a little bit more of me and where I'm coming from. I just want the same things in life that you want, and that is to be happy. It is just so weird because everyone has their own perception of me and how they think I really am. It is so weird how stories are told. There is your side, my side, and the truth. Somebody has to figure it out. I guess we will never understand or figure out life completely. That's God's job. I can't wait to meet him or her. <laughs> Why do I want to cry? <laughs> Love, Brittany. Quote of the month. It is okay to disagree with people regarding certain issues. You're not being true to yourself if you succumb to others' opinions because you feel guilty. Guys, I had never read that in full. And I just, that, that sounded like her and sounded like the lucid interviews she had done before and sounds kind of like the, the documentary version of her too from 2008. This is 2007 after head shaving, after other incidences, but before full conservatorship. Unfortunately, as much as I'm sure she meant this, things get worse before they maybe get better or maybe get worse, depending on how you look at it. Because to quote Brittany, there's your side, my side and the truth. And we're never going to really know her side and what's really going on. And I know that's what she wants. And I think what kills me is just, we can't know because I want, I want what she wants. If it's what's safe for her, you know? Okay. So it was so interesting. Like she didn't say alcohol or depression. She didn't specify drugs. She said, like, a little kid with ADD. That's interesting. Hmm. Um, so that was May. Her publicist resigns in June. In July, Brittany makes a mistake. She takes her kids out of state. 
you can't do that when it comes to a custody agreement. I think it's legally, at least in some states, considered kidnapping. She has an issue with the paparazzo outside of the Wynn Hotel in Vegas. Her bodyguard is charged with battery in connection with the incident. The only post on the singer's website that month has been an apology to another paparazzo, the one she attacked with an umbrella. She blamed her actions on a movie role where she was preparing to possibly for preparing for a character for a possible movie role where the husband doesn't play his part. So they swap places. July 30th, the divorce is official. And August 2nd, Federline's team starts to serve a series of subpoenas to Spears, friends and employees, starting with her assistant, Allie Sims. Uh, She hits a parked car. She performs on the VMAs. What I think this is like the semi disturbing vacant Give me more performance. I learned from um, another podcast. I feel like it was probably Pray Britney. Uh, I think they do a great job. Uh, if I didn't mention earlier, um, or no? Oh no! I was listening to another. I've I've honestly been trying to listen to everyone's accounts of it, not to like copy anyone. Like a lot of the podcasts played those clips. They all go way more in depth than me. I just want to hear everyone's side of it. There was one podcast I listened to that I thought did a great job too called Scammed. And um, they they were kind of arguing, think of all this stuff that went on. She's not actually crazy. They're making her seem crazy. And then they specified too that apparently at that VMAs, which is on my birthday, um, and I remember this very, very well. Uh, this is my 21st birthday, actually. I believe I was out at the time. Uh, because I did go to a karaoke bar and sing my then signature song, which I've since evolved from, which is Enrique Iglesias's Escape, because I do like when the beat drops. Um, you and me, up and down. Oh, so good. Anyway, yeah, I had to watch the video like the next day at the Math Emporium or something. Um, <laughs> I So the girls on the Scam podcast, I think, said that Sarah Silverman made a horrendous joke and she didn't rehearse the monologue before time, so Brittany didn't hear it at, like, soundcheck or rehearsals, that, and apparently her performance, like, crushed it. According to People.com, uh, she, the problem was, well, and also, I have, like, three or four listeners who used to work at People who have all reached out to me independently and been like, no, like, people will not print stuff that's not true. Like, they, they, they're they not in that game. I don't know if they were in that game in 2007, but if People reports it, the People's People reported it. You know, like, a source is... Meghan Markle's like five BFFs, like Serena Williams and the gang, who I assume are the ones that like did that article when she was pregnant about how great she is um, following like her baby shower controversy or whatever. Uh, Same with when I was the other night before Kanye um, took to Twitter after his thing, I was like, oh, yeah, two weeks ago, people put out a thing like that was almost like warning about his bipolar disorder and that he like might be amidst an episode. They're like clearly the Kardashians put out because they probably anticipated this type of behavior, you know, and if that this is the Kanye's bipolar disorder, the, the the what that looks like is like, I don't know, I don't even think people can understand. And it actually to 5150 get somebody under a psychiatric hold, they like have to be deemed a danger to themselves. It's not that simple to um control people grown adults with free will that are suffering from mental illness or having a manic episode so while it's wrong to leak that to the press i think that maybe it was also like a nod like 
from Chris Jenner to be like, he's not really running for president, you know, like he's going through something. I don't really know. That's a whole different situation we don't want to talk about. And like, I also am confused because it's like I'm so mad at Kanye and annoyed for like his potential implications on the election. But like, as I try to separate anybody's earthly wrongdoings or professional wrongdoings from like who they are as a as a human, right, who's who's potentially suffering um, or not. Who am I to project onto that? But People Magazine said um, Britney Spears was so nervous because of all the hype. And she was supposed to wear this corset she opted out of wearing last minute. She was really nervous. It's been a while since she's done this. She's performing in front of all her peers on live TV. She kind of got out there and froze. People at the rehearsal saw something else. It was good. It really was. Um and then fan sites suspected that Spears was thrown off after hearing Sarah Silverman rehearse her monologue. And this is what's so messed up. She called her two babies, her two precious sons, the cutest mistakes you've ever seen. Low, 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 blow. Unnecessary. Now, like, I hope as a society we know better than to talk about people's kids. But honestly, if you rewatch the Give Me More VMA performance from 2008, or 2007, I just think it's more like she gives zero Fs and she owes no one anything. Like, she's, she, you know, like she doesn't have to be there. And I just think these are the things, like, people kept piling on and the media coverage of all of these events was just like, Brandy's crazy, Brandy's lost it, downward spiral. And at a point, to point out with something that Rebecca, the lawyer I speak to in the next episode, she's like, she, that there's an argument she could be a victim of her own career. Like if everyone's saying they know who you are and this is who you are at some points, do you just make it who you are? I don't know. I know I'm oversimplifying. So and I promise we're getting close. And so what I'm basically doing is leading up to the um, conservatorship. And then that's what we're going to talk about on the second episode. So following the give me more debacle, um, an L.A. judge orders her to do brand random drug testing, counseling and parenting classes. Her custody is being evaluated. Um, Brittany parts company with her management and they, she swaps lawyers again. She's charged with two misdemeanor accounts of hit and run causing property damage when she was like trying to get her uh, away from paparazzi, I think. And the kids were in the car and I just it doesn't look good. Um and then October 1st, an L.A. judge orders her to turn over her children to Federline by October 3rd, at least temporarily. Ugh. I can't even get into KFED. It's just like crazy to me that he like he's made to look like, you know, some upstanding dad of the year when it was far from that. Um, so. In an attempt to regain custody of her children, she goes to the DMV, get a temporary driver's license. She gets one. But there are major concerns over her driving habits, apparently, and her safety. And Britney's former bodyguard soon after files a child abuse claim against the singer under the California Child Abuse and Neglect Reporting Act and meets with authorities at the Los Angeles County Department of Children and Family Services for two hours. The agency launches an investigation onto the complaint. Is he the guy that um, allegedly did the thing with the hair? Oh, no. Allegedly, on May 17th of that year, she had fired bodyguard Tony Barreto for failing to pick up a hat. He later filed a deposition in her child custody case in claiming her to be claiming to be witness to nudity, drug use and safety usage involving her children. 
Okay, to be fair, if he actually did see that and he's a mandated reporter, he had to do that. I'm a mandated reporter because of Big Brothers Big Sisters, and they're like clear on the things like if you see or hear, you're legally obligated to report it for the safety of children. Um, you can't protect the adult, you know, in the, when it involves kids. Other stuff happens. She gets in more car accidents. She officially is it's ruled on October 30th. She will not regain custody of her children. Oh, I for, I never even mentioned her album Blackout that comes out during this time. It's a great album, by the way, uh, one that she had very little involvement in writing, but turned out hits uh, and debuted number one on the Billboard charts in November. She runs over Paparazzo's foot uh, and she is accused. She tries to get her kids back. She's accused of not following drug testing in November. She um, runs a red light in November when she does have her kids, makes an illegal turn against oncoming traffic. Her two sons are in the car. It's on video. November 16th, she decides she cannot drive the car with her children. And December 5th, Court documents reveal child welfare investigators are looking into multiple child abuse and neglect allegations against Spears and a spokesperson for DCFS says concerns exist about the safety and welfare of the two children if they are left with their mother. OK, this is what people forget. And I feel like is not brought up enough. On December 12th, Britney Spears, 16 year old sister, Jamie Lynn Spears, announces that she's pregnant. There are haunting theories about not knowing who the father is. This is something I don't know enough about to speak to. I don't think she's ever confirmed Casey Aldridge was the father. And there's some concerns because she was Zoe 101 at the time and loses the job after that. Um, Nickelodeon does not have an outstanding history of treating its child stars well. And there's been a lot of rumors of abuse over the years uh, from especially uh, as I think Amanda Bynes has talked about. Right. I don't know, you guys, it's it's all very chilling and sad. And like I get, like what happens to my sister happens to me. And I, I that I think losing custody of her kids, her fame ultimately affecting her sister. And of course, she had the baby and everything worked out fine. But you know that that was hectic when it was happening. It's not ideal to be 16 and pregnant when you have a loving partner. Like it's you know, who knows? I don't know if she did. Um, but I do know from Lynn Spears book that they tried to like send her off to like a place for troubled girls and the same people, I think managed Jamie Lynn who managed Brittany. And like, it's just kind of interesting the the reflex to just like send people off who aren't doing what they, you want them to do, you know, instead of like trying to work through it. And then Lynn kept her at the last minute, which thank God I, I it's Lynn Spears always seemed great to me. And I know she isn't in like, we can't trust showbiz parents sometimes, but I always hated feeling like she didn't have Britney's best interest because I think she looks a lot like Jessica Simpson's mom and Jessica Simpson's mom, I think has really appeared to always have her back. I mean, she like runs her billion dollar empire. God bless. Also, this is a really interesting era where people's sisters were getting famous. Ashley Simpson, uh, uh, Jamie Lynn Spears, Ashley Aguilera. Just kidding. She didn't have a sister. I don't know. Does she have a sister? She never had a sister in the spotlight. I feel like I'm missing somebody. Not Mandy Moore. OK, so anyway, maybe two people had famous sisters and uh, sorry, really fast. Our second sponsor this week is Wink. I've talked. I actually haven't. I don't know. If, have I had Wink on the podcast since Mormon Mommy Bloggers? 
that was a very ironic sponsor. <laughs> but I've always worked with them for like Instagram and stuff. And I've always like had my code. But here we are again, formally advertising. Um, I love Wink because it's a monthly wine description delivered to my door. It keeps me with a full supply. And here's the thing with wine is I need to, my supply that I can drink for like a regular time, like a regular day. Then I need like birthday wine and I call birthday wine anything like above $14.99 because I'm just cheap like that. And also I don't find that there's as much of a correlation between price and quality of wine after mm, maybe like the $8.99 mark. Uh, but anyway, not important. I love I like to have like a stock for um, unexpected guests, even though I haven't had guests since COVID started. But beyond that, if you go over to somebody's house, I've gone a couple places and I love just having a bottle to bring over to share with them. That's different that you can't get anywhere else because Wink is a direct to customer winery um, that is trying to revolutionize the way you discover, buy and share wine. They work directly with vineyards and winemakers who are able to give um, their wine membership members access to incredible small lot wines from around the world. Each month, they introduce you to new wines that match your taste. They share the story and the wine knowledge. And you can pick, you know, two reds, two whites. One, I get one white, three reds. You can pick what you want. You can select it yourself or they can curate it for you. And what's cool is they have this proprietary quiz at the, on the website. And it's like, how do you like your coffee? Do you like earthy, you know, mushroom uh, type of flavors? Do you like sweets? Do you like salty foods? I don't know. They have all these different questions that are designed to gauge your palate and then they provide you recommendations and i'm just a huge fan they've recently started selling like miniature wines which i'm excited about i love a red called the poet i love summer water rosé sparkling and flat there's one called folly of the beast that is that is not for everyone but it's unique and i actually quite like it it's a pinot noir anyway if you liked this podcast and if you like wine and if you just want to not worry about it and have affordable wine shipped to you it's like I'm buying four bottles anyway. Why not have this convenience, especially when I'm trying to go to the store less? And let's be honest, I think for many of us wine lovers, you know, we're home. There's not a lot going on. It's an activity in and of itself. Uh, if you want to go to trywink.com and use code be there in five, that's the number five. And this is the only exception. My codes are almost always be there in five with the what's spelled out, but it's be there in number five to get $22, $22 off your first month's box when you go to trywink.com it'll probably already put in a promo code by default but you have to remove it and put in be there in number five thanks to wink for the wine thanks to you for potentially buying it and back to the episode okay we are now to 2008 january of 2008 and the reason i went through all that it might have seemed like needless detail but i do think that the events leading up are important context because I think people are like, you know, she smashed an umbrella. She shaved her head. And it's like, I actually, while those things were irresponsible and not a good look and maybe symptomatic of something that was going on, I don't think that the core issue was them just being like, Brittany's crazy. We, we want to control her money and estate just because we've got some, you know, nefarious plot underway. To be fair not according to opinion according to the the dcfs the uh los angeles county department of children and family services considered her to be a danger to her children 
like it, it, it is a different ball game when kids are involved. And I don't know when like I'm reading back through like. I mean, not that MTV is like upstanding, but it's not like I'm reading the National Enquirer, like every single thing I'm reading out to you has an article link to it. Because I don't want to make stuff up or like sensationalize. But yeah, so here's the thing she's seen in her like. She's getting in fender benders, losing her license, getting in accidents with her kids in the back seat, running red lights, going into oncoming traffic. On the one hand, you've got the paparazzi that chase her. That is alarming, and I can see where she would potentially do that, um, thinking that was the better thing. or You know what I mean? Like, the priority being escaping. But also, a lot of this is incredibly irresponsible and daunting, and I would never want my kids in that position or any kids of friends that are, that I'm related to. Like, it's, it is very scary when you feel like you've lost control uh of an adult with free will and access to a car and access to substances and access to the wrong people and who has dumb amounts of money um her sister gets pregnant in december she misses an- another deposition in january she misses another deposition like you're not showing up to your depositions for your custody case like th- what does that say and like granted i don't know a lot about custody maybe there's like a statement you're making or something there i i have no idea i don't want to speak out of turn but her lawyers asked to withdraw themselves as her counsel in the custody battle, um, citing a breakdown in communication for their decision because she didn't appear to yet another de- deposition. There's my HVAC. I need to turn that off. This is torture. Like in the afternoon when I'm recording, my I live in a loft and my HVAC is so loud that I'm always recording like when the sun is beating down in my office and I can't have the air on. So if I ever seem out of breath, it's because it's 90 degrees in here. Okay, here's where S hits the F and where we'll breach into legal territory. Um, so January 3rd, she finally sits down for her deposition. She cuts the session short after 15 minutes. Another trial date set for her misdemeanor case. And then on that same day, she's rushed to the hospital after a showdown with Federline at her home. She refuses to turn over... The children to him and police arrived to find her under the influence of an unknown substance. Oh, I didn't know that piece. Um, I feel like a lot of these details I didn't see in like the free Britney stuff um, that just kind of help. You know, things not seem so like, um, you know, baseless. Right. So this is her first 5150 psychiatric hold. It's something in California where I think an adult is uh, perceived to be a danger to themselves or others. They can be taken in for 72 hours. I've heard on the Free Britney side of this that the story goes, I don't know if there's a source for this, that uh, she was in the bathroom with one of her sons, not wanting to give the hand the kids over to Kevin, understandably. You know, it's like, I, I think I can't even imagine the nightmare of, of custody situations, especially if meanwhile, she's kind of like, Kevin's the worst. Like, how is he the better option? You know, so... What we don't know here is if somebody is trying to make her look crazy, if she's actually crazy. This is like the debate that will forever exist. So this is the first time she's put into a 5150 hold, but she's let go early. Which in the Free Britney movement, they kind of cite this as like this suggests that she like wasn't ill enough to be in the hospital. Like uh, it would normally require a person to stay for 72 hours. but 
I don't know. The thought is that being released within 24 hours means that they didn't think she that a 5150 hold was necessary. So this is where Lynn pisses me off. She brings Dr. Phil to the hospital. She walks out of the hospital with Dr. Phil, who's like not even a doctor. So now I'll do two things. I'm going to read you um, what Lynn Spears said happened during this time in her book that I still don't know if it got scrapped. And that's probably something I could Google easily, but whatever. Take it with a grain of salt. Um, All of this, really. (laughs) Who knows? But Lynn basically says, this was a life or death situation, and I prayed without stopping for another opening. Quiet plans have been underway for six weeks for Jamie to petition the court for temporary conservatorship of Brittany, but it seemed like an impossible dream at that point, with Sam still so entrenched in her life. So the Brittany's mom is calling out Sam Lutfi, uh, who also, anyways, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. But remember I said earlier, I think a bigger cause for the conservatorship is un, uh, being susceptible to undue influence. I think, and then the way you're, there's, to be under a conservatorship, you have to be deemed incapacitated and not have the mental uh, capability to be making decisions about your finances, your person, or your incapacity uh, is an issue in resisting undue influence. I think that Sam Lufty was such a problem, and there's actually a paparazzi video, an alarming one, the day before her second 5150. She has brown hair. She's talking in a British accent. She screams at Sam in front of the paparazzi to let her drive. He lets her drive. They follow her later that day. She puts on a pink wig, goes into a 7-Eleven, gets a 24-pack of Red Bull. Um, Anyway, so I think, like, they just lost control. I don't know how involved Sam was. People say Sam was drugging her, allegedly. I don't know uh, if there's any proof of that. But she did say the year before, like, I got in with some bad people. It sounds like he's bad people. So does she let him back in to revolt? I don't know. But then Sam's a big spearheader of the Free Britney movement. But I think the Free Britney movement hates Sam. I'm very confused about it. But anyways, I think it's telling that Lynn brings him up specifically as it relates to this period. Because I don't really know what goes on between the first and second 5150 other than quiet plans were underway to petition the court for temporary conservatorship of Britney. I asked the lawyer this later. Because I'm like, is that not a plot to trap somebody? And she, she'll tell you what she thinks this, that actually looks like. Because I thought, I was like, that's awful to like plan to trap her and get, get her in a psychiatric hold. That's like wrong, right? Anyway, to be continued. Um, so she said, quiet plans have been underway for six weeks for Jamie to petition the court for temporary conservatorship of Brittany. But it seemed like an impossible dream at that point. Was Sam still so entrenched in her life? In fact, Jamie was going to file for the conservatorship on January 22nd, eight days beforehand, but he and his business manager, Lou, there's, I mean, the Lou Taylor of it all is a whole different story. I don't know enough about her, but she's talked about a lot in the Free Britney movement. Um, Felt God leading them to wait, fast, and pray, despite the frustration of a phalanx of lawyers. Is that how you say that word, phalanx? (laughs) I like that. I'm going to use that more often. So basically, Lynn is saying these plans were underway. He wanted to do it earlier. Um, They were looking for an opening, which is kind of like a weird way to put it. I I was like, isn't that illegal? I don't know. Long story short. On January 31st, Britney Spears 
was essentially forced into the hospital, planned ahead of time. The Free Britney Twitter threads say they worked with the LAPD for weeks and organized a motorcade the length of a football field, including two helicopters. Which, yeah, that does seem like it's uh, plotted and that does seem wrong. But I do think people forget how bad things had gotten and how at risk her children were, is my point. My my point is that not Brittany, it's not that Brittany wasn't mistreated. It's not that she didn't have crazy people controlling her. She clearly had security guards tipping off people. She couldn't trust anybody. So what's what, what's she to do? I'm the, I, the amount of loss I would feel I can't imagine that paired with alleged mental health issues. Um, like all of that, I think is accurate. And I don't think she was treated fairly by the media or her team. I don't think anybody did right by Britney during this really difficult era where she has all these other variables in her life that are incredibly uh, detrimentally stressful. Uh, But to be fair, her parents also were dealing with not that these things are related, but like when you think about like their loss of control, like uh, with Jamie Lynn Spears being pregnant the month before Britney never not showing up to her her depositions, putting their grandchildren at risk. Um, Sam getting back in her life and everything like that. Like, those are the details that I think people leave out because I feel badly for Brittany, but I don't think Brittany was innocent. I think she really did have a lot going on, and I do think she was exhibiting dangerous behavior. And it's one thing if it only affected her, it's another thing if it affects her kids. Um, but after now, I will read you something that is, I cannot prove, but I saw it on TikTok. It's this guy named Andrew Gallery. He claims it's a copy of an original letter that was destroyed by her conservators. And it was apparently written in the third person point of view and focuses quite a bit on her personal life in 2007, I guess. And this this photographer like has photos with her. He did work with her, to be fair. The taking this to TikTok is a little weird to me. Um, but I also do not understand on what planet it would be normal. like. This is where maybe I'm naive, but like, why would a person fake a girl's handwriting and write this in the third person so specific to her life and then pretend to have a copy of it? You know, it just it's like he's still just a regular photographer. I don't think he's like clout chasing. I don't think he wants to hang with little Huddy in the gang. Like, I I don't really see the motive here um, in terms of why it would be worth it to go to this extent. To make it as specific as it is, to make it look like a copy, to forge handwriting, beyond that, to take it public and to put to put your name next to it. He says he recently got out of an NDA. So this is where I go. I the pendulum of the free Britney movement. I am like, it's real. It's not real. It's real. It's not real. I, I don't know. So this letter said. Oh, wait. So Andrew. So this guy, Andrew Gallery, said on TikTok, I've been seeing all this stuff about the hashtag free Britney movement, and I feel compelled to say something about this now. I used to work with Britney back in 2008 and 2009 during her comeback. And that time we became close friends. We were on tour together, spent every day together for a while. And in that time, she gave me a letter she wanted me to read to you guys. So. Oh, no, this was after the conservatorship. Okay, so this was during her comeback. That's interesting. Where she like. Couldn't give anything to anybody else, but everyone's under such ironclad uh, NDAs. Maybe they forgot about this guy because he was like a one-off photographer. I have to move my mic, sorry. Um, 
he said what happened to Brittany was a year ago and people need to get with the times. As for Kevin saying Brittany divorced him, she was forced by her lawyers because she went to visit. Oh, I was confused. I thought Andrew was saying this. No, this is the letter. It's written in third person, allegedly by Brittany, about Brittany. And I think it's what he wanted. She wanted him to say publicly, which was what happened to Brittany was a year ago and people need to get with the times. As for Kevin saying Brittany divorced him, she was forced to by her lawyers because she went to visit him in New York and he wouldn't see her and the children. And her lawyer said if she doesn't divorce him, he's going to do it himself. No one knows the truth. Her behavior when her children got taken away because of her locking herself in the bathroom is understandable, considering a friend at the door kept telling her the cops are leaving. Don't worry, stay in the bathroom. She was lied to and set up. Her children were taken away and she did spin out of control, which any other mother would do in those circumstances. So it's interesting because it's not it's not pleading innocence. It's basically saying, like, the lawyers made me divorce Kevin. Then Kevin was probably incentivized to make her life a living hell. When custody was brought into question, she lost her mind and she spun out of control. And that's what she's saying right here. And I guess she gave this letter to the photographer that I don't know why he would make that up. And I find this to be a little convincing, even though this is maybe the least convincing part of it all. But like. I also have the same issue with the voicemail. It's like there's so much effort to mislead people. How sick do you have to be to mess with somebody's life in this way to completely fabricate something? Like, I know I'm talking about other people's lives on this podcast, but I don't make stuff up out of thin air. Like, wh- why? What does that do for my life? Like, nothing. Um, I don't know. Like, like, if this guy wanted TikTok followers... TikTok isn't what it once was. I have had a few videos go viral recently and I the, the followers creep in. Back in the day when my first one went viral, you got like 10,000 followers immediately. Now it's not the same. So I, I got to see where he is and if this really benefited him in any way. Because besides this letter, why would I be interested in following this random dude in a chambray shirt who takes like landscape for photography, you know? Okay, so this is where I am going to just read the canon of the Free Britney movement. It's all alleged. I do not know. In the next episode, we're going to fact check. So, that same day, so Brittany's taken into another 5150 that was allegedly premeditated. Oh my God, it's so hot in here. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's the uh, I'm a slave for you video, except a lot less toned of a torso. That same day, Britney Spears' father had all the paperwork ready to ask the court to put her under what is called a conservatorship. In court documents, her father claimed she had a dementia-related illness, which is inconsistent with Britney's ability to tour. Keep that in mind. We discuss this at length in the next episode. Under the conservatorship, Britney Spears allegedly doesn't control her own money, can't hire an attorney, can't drive, vote, or see friends without permission. She isn't allowed to have custody of her children, and her social media is monitored. The proposed, a proposed conservatee is required to be given notice five days before a hearing, but Brittany's dad petitioned the court to not give notice to Brittany. It was granted, meaning Brittany was kept unaware that she was play, being placed under conservatorship. This is where things get murky, and this is where I wanted to sort things out with a lawyer. So I'll read you what the viral post said from like Barstool and Diet Prada and St. Hooks and all these like places that I normally... I... I, I I was surprised that the post they chose to share because it's so like almost colloquial. Like it, it just, there's, it's just slightly exaggerated and like, doesn't it's, there's so many posts that are pretty like factual, but this specific one I just thought was interesting, but I read the rest of it so you can hear the rest of what, how people uh, portrayed the Britney movement. I said some of this earlier, 
but I kind of wanted to start setting up like where we are now, then kind of trace it back and then end back to now. And there, the alleged court documents include one of the reasons why Brittany was deemed incapable of hiring her own counsel and being present at her trial, which are two big question marks for me that I feel are so unconstitutional and wrong. When you look at the inf- when you look at the paperwork and you see that there, it's basically listed that they were, their fear was that Sam Lefty she would tell him about the conservatorship if she knew that it was going on. And my take is that he was a big part, big enough part of why this was even filed that the judge saw that as good enough reason to leave her out of it because he was so toxic and maybe potentially drugging her or something. Because again, that's what I keep hearing. And his name's right up all the time. Allegedly. I don't know. Mm. (laughs) I'm so annoying. I'm so scared now. Um, But I think that when people are looking at her and they're like, she's she she has mental capacity. Like, what does that mean? You're a not considering that there's more to it in terms of the undue influence and B, um, there are more there. I'm going to read to you the different uh, mental illnesses that comprise a formal uh, lack of capacity, according to the California courts, written by Adam Streisand, who we think is a good guy, apparently, and co-authored by James Barr, who we think is shady because he came in at the last minute. It's kind of interesting. Hang tight. I'll describe that in the next episode. It'll probably drop tomorrow morning. I don't assume you're going to listen to four hours of this tonight. I just need to um, do some audio processing on it. And yeah, you guys are awesome. I hope this is worth your worth your time. I don't know. I don't even have time to listen back to it. It's one of those things where I tried it so many times and I couldn't speak intellectually or organize it until I felt like I knew as much as I possibly could about it. And I have just felt like I've been reading everything. I've talked to lawyers for <laughs> almost three hours total. It's like, I I wish I could skim. I'm not trying to like pat myself on the back. Rather, I'm trying to insult myself because I should have done this earlier. I just, I think I, there's a density to me in that like, I'm not high level. Like, I would feel like I was doing something a disservice if I was repeating something somebody else said or kept it too high level. So I have to do my own research if I'm going to call it a formal deep dive. And I appreciate your patience with me. And I know nobody cares about this because Taylor Swift is dropping a surprise album tonight. I don't ha- I don't even know how to like process that. So I'll save my thoughts on that. Obviously, this is extremely exciting, but I got to get this episode up. Don't forget to support ButcherBox, support Wink. I'm going to feature black owned businesses in the next episode because it's already recorded. And as always, you can go use any find any of my codes in on be there in five dot com. Uh, under the podcast header and join patreon.com slash be there in five, where I'm sure the bulk of my Taylor Swift content will be. So I can play the songs and cause it's less pressure. Cause I would hope if you're paying me, you don't hate my content. <laughs> I can't even tell you how anxiety inducing doing fandom related things is between this and like the new album. I'm just going to be like a ball of anxiety. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I love this job. I'm lucky to have this job. And beyond that, I am so lucky to have you. I hope everyone's hanging in there. I, the peak of COVID being new is over, but the ramifications are far from gone. I feel for each and every one of you. Everyone's in such unique circumstances, and we all feel like we don't have the right to complain. But, you know, we all are just doing the best we can. Sometimes we can't help, but be disappointed. 
I, you know, it's it, it's tough thinking about Loverfest being this weekend. We were going to do two shows, one in L.A., one in Boston. The Boston one was like pretty big and sold out. Like, trust me, we love our things. It's tough to think about. I do commend Taylor Swift for giving us this gift in, in lieu of Loverfest. I feel like she probably did that on purpose. And um, I just hope you guys are all taking really, really, really good care of yourselves because don't let your just because you're used to this new way of living doesn't mean you have to embrace it wholeheartedly. You know, I, I do think the toxic positivity is real and everybody like wanting silver linings in 2020 to turn a corner and like maybe it will. But if not, like, I, you know, like I've said before, one of my favorite quotes in a book called The Artist's Way <laughs> is expect nothing, live frugally on surprise. And that is what I plan on doing for eternity. Now that we've all just experienced such unpredictability, you know, really makes you think about how to move forward. But love you. Thank you. Come back for part two. As always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. Bye.